uh, be praying for uh, Brother Chuck, if you would, and uh, Miss Mary. Um, I hope that uh, it doesn't get spread around too much and that it, the, the symptoms are not, uh, they don't get it that bad. Uh, so uh, be praying for them, if you would. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is where we're going to be uh, today. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. And uh, once again, if you're able to stand uh, as you're finding that, if you would join me as we read this passage of Scripture together. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, and uh, we'll read verses 23 through 34. First Corinthians 11, uh, 23 says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. If any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. Our Lord, we're grateful for, again, the opportunity and the freedom to meet together tonight to do this, um, to remember who you are and to, re to look back, to look forward, and even to look within. And uh, Father, I pray that you would uh, just guide our thoughts now as we uh, look at this passage of Scripture and understand a little better, hopefully, uh, regarding this uh, matter of communion, the Lord's Supper. And uh, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. So the, the, the Bible teaches us that the Lord gave two specific ordinances to the local church, baptism and communion. And both of these have been under attack in a great way and misunderstood by groups throughout history and are still being misapplied even today in so-called churches all over this world. Uh, baptism has been attacked through false teaching about the necessity of baptism for salvation. There are a good number of churches that believe that in order to be saved, you need to be baptized. Well, that is definitely uh, not the case. That's not what the Bible teaches. Um, and uh, it would be uh, very bad for the thief on the cross who Jesus said, Verily today you shall be with me in paradise. Uh, well, he didn't get baptized, so I'm not sure how they... Uh, deal with that particular instance. Uh, baptism is not necessary for salvation because we are not saved by works. Uh, we are saved by uh, faith, or grace through faith, uh, and that not of ourselves. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. 
Uh, there has been attack on baptism regarding the method of baptism as well. Uh, we as Baptists believe in full immersion. Well, there are other churches who uh, teach that uh, baptism is sprinkling or pouring. And, uh, you know, the Bible does give precedent regarding uh, immersion. Uh, it's very clear that uh, Jesus was baptized by immersion. The, uh, the eunuch uh, there, the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, was baptized by immersion. And uh, you can... You can see it very clearly, but you cannot see any type of sprinkling or pouring in the Bible. Um, and the very word baptize uh, is from the Greek word baptizo, which is where we get the word baptize from. Very close uh, word that we use from Greek. Uh, but uh, that means to plunge or to dip. And uh, the, the way to do that is uh, through immersion. Also, uh, the wind of baptism has been attacked as well. For example, many churches baptize babies uh, who cannot make a decision for Christ. Uh, just by a show of hands, is there anybody here who was baptized as a baby? Okay, there are several of you who were baptized as a baby. Well, you didn't have the opportunity to uh, believe on Christ prior to your baptism. It was something that your parents did, um, and tradition and, and church tradition and all that was part of that. Well, the Bible teaches that baptism should come after a person uh, on their own believes on Christ. And uh, so baptism has been under attack uh, throughout history and uh, has been misunderstood and misapplied in churches. Well, communion is the same way. And we'll talk a little bit as we go through this message on some of the aspects that are uh, misapplied and misunderstood. But it goes all the way back, uh, communion the, uh, the attack on communion has really goes all the way back to the church at Corinth. Uh, and the book of 1 Corinthians uh, is a letter of rebuke and uh, setting things in order that were needing to be dealt with. There was definite misuse of the Lord's Supper or communion, and Paul needed to address it in, in this first letter to the church family there in Corinth. And um, your Bible's open to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you jump back to verse number 2 of that chapter, um, he says this in verse number 2, Now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. He said, I'm praising you, church family. You guys have done great in keeping the ordinances that I've given you. But if you jump down to verse number 17 of chapter 11, Verse number 17, he says, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not. So yes, you've kept the ordinances, but uh, he says, what I'm about to tell you here, the way you've kept this particular ordinance, ordinance I'm not going to praise you on. So he says, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together, not for the better, but for the worst. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. So uh, there is a couple instances in 1 Corinthians where we learn that there, is, there was some division there. There was uh, sides against each other. And uh, he said, and there was that going on when it came to the subject of the Lord's Supper. Uh, verse number 19, For there must also be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. 
And verse 22, he says, What have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? He says, I praise you not. So at the beginning of the chapter, he praises them for doing those ordinances uh, and communion, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table was one of them, but how they were doing that, he could not praise them for it. And uh, basically what was happening is they were having a uh, fellowship meal before the communion service. So it would be equivalent to us saying, hey, come at four o'clock and uh, bring your own meal for your family and uh, we'll eat together here on campus and then we'll come into the Lord's Supper. And what some people who were very well-to-do would bring their, you know, six-course meal with uh, complete with filet mignon, lobster, okay, maybe even ribeye, medium, medium rare, uh, maybe also some tri-tip medium rare. Uh, I get excited about that with some A1 sauce. And uh, then we get, you know, the, the vegetables that you're into. You know, I like uh, zucchini, fried, or not, well, fried zucchini is good. Uh, but zucchini done on the Traeger, um, or some asparagus, or again, you fill in the blank. You know, this, you, you, the, the nicest meal that you can think of. And people were, were bringing those in, and then there was also those who were struggling to make ends meet. And uh, the families that had this really nice, delicious, elaborate meal would sit there and kind of look down on those who didn't have the nice meal. And they'd come and just say, hey, it's all we could do to get here. We're just looking forward to being part of the communion service. And, uh, and they weren't, you know, th- these people weren't sharing with anybody. It was just like they're eating and all proper about how they're eating, their manners are perfect, and they're looking down their nose, though, at others uh, for their lack of uh, nice food. And because uh, he says in verse 22, despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not. There was definitely a feeling of if you didn't have money, you didn't really belong here. Uh, not, not only that, but in verse number 21, he says, uh, for in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. Some people were even uh, bringing alcohol to this uh, fellowship meal, and uh, they were like, hey, it's BYOB, right? You know, And so they would, they would uh, drink whatever they wanted to drink, and they would end up being come intoxicated, and then they would go into the communion service a little tipsy, Okay. And uh, this is one of the reasons why Paul addressed this church, because they were misusing uh, and they were walking into this service not really spiritually prepared and ready. And so uh, as we get into this, verses 23 on, we uh, really get into the crux of uh, the actual uh, communion service, the actual Lord's Supper. And uh, I want to go ahead and jump into that uh, very briefly this evening before we Uh, partake of it together. So first of all, I want us to look at the significance of communion, the significance. And this is found in verses uh, 23 down through verse 26. Verse 23 says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Uh, So now Paul really gets into the origin of when communion started. Uh, Now, most of us understand that the Apostle Paul was not in the upper room there when Jesus uh, broke bread and 
pass the cup with his disciples. Uh, Paul wasn't even saved at that point. He didn't get saved for at least two years after Jesus died on the cross and ascended into heaven. And so uh, this was a direct revelation that God decided to give the Apostle Paul after he did become a Christian and after he became an apostle. The Lord gave him direct revelation regarding what took place so that he could uh, then teach uh, local churches and uh, he could share this information with the church at Corinth and ultimately with us tonight. So he said, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. And so the significance of the Lord's Supper is really a, a memorial, a time of remembrance, and a, a time for our memories to kind of kick into gear. And uh, in our family, the, the person who has the best memory in our family is Luke. He remembers details that no one remembers. And uh, he just has an amazing, amazing memory. His brain is a steel trap. You know, if you've ever met somebody like that, that's Luke. He can remember everything. Um, and it's pretty, pretty cool to, to know, but it's, it's also a little creepy, too, because he, he does bring up things that it's like, wow, I didn't even... I remember, forgot about that. I didn't even remember that even happened, but he, he remembers it. Well, there's some things that we need to remember within this context of communion. First of all, we need to remember uh, his person. We need to remember the Lord's person. He says a couple times in, in this, both when he breaks the bread and when he passes the cup, that we're, to, that we're doing this in remembrance of him. Do this in remembrance of me. Uh, Jeremiah 2 and verse 32 says, can a, man, can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. So it's pretty ludicrous to think that a bride on her wedding day would forget you know, her, her wedding dress. I mean, that's... She's been planning this day, and she's been focused on, you know, everything being perfect for the day of her wedding, and uh, for her to forget her wedding dress would be uh, just no way would that ever happen. Uh, So he said, maids, they'll not forget their ornaments, or a bride, they're not going to forget their wedding dress, but my people have forgotten me days without number. And uh, there's been some days, unfortunately, in my life that I've gone through the whole day and not really ever thought about the Lord. And uh, I, I dare say that's probably the case for, for most of us in here as well, that we've gone days and days maybe even where we didn't even acknowledge the fact that God was there uh, going through it with us. And uh, this is a good thing for us to have this communion service where we'll have a checkpoint where we'll really focus on remembering the Lord. So we remember his person. There's a couple aspects of his person that we're to remember, uh, and they're represented through the elements that are uh, passed and the things that uh, um, 
that he, he gave out to the disciples, and we're going to give out tonight as well. First of all, the Lord's body. Uh, we're to remember the Lord's body. In verse 24, it says, And when he had given thanks, he brake it, and said, Take ye, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do ye, or this do in remembrance of me. And so the Lord's body is represented here. And again, we mentioned at the beginning of the message that communion has been misapplied and misunderstood. This is one of those areas in which uh, some religions believe that uh, this cracker that we'll be partaking of in just a few moments literally becomes the Lord's body. And uh, that is complete heresy and false doctrine. Uh, it's the, the, the bread is just a picture. It's a memorial of the Lord's body. And when Jesus was uh, passing that bread around, it wasn't literally becoming the body of Christ. His body was right there, um, and his body was about to be broken there on the cross of Calvary. And so just want to clear that up, that the, the cracker that we'll be eating in a few moments does not literally become the body of Christ. You're not literally consuming the Lord's body. Uh, it's just a picture. It's a remembrance. It's a memorial. Now, while Jesus had no bones broken when he died upon the cross, his flesh was absolutely torn apart and broken uh, with the cat of nine tails, with the crown of thorns, with the nails in his hands and his feet, and then finally the spear that was thrust into his side. Yes, his body was indeed broken for you and for me. And here's what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53 regarding the broken body of our Lord. Uh, verse number 5 of that uh, Isaiah chapter 53, it says, But he, talking about Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. <coughs> And so his body was broken, but notice in verse number 24 at the beginning of it, and when he had given thanks, he break it. And Jesus being completely God, do you think he understood what he was about to uh, go through there on the cross of Calvary, what his body was going to experience? Yeah, I think he knew exactly what he was going to deal with because the scriptures uh, detail some of what he uh, dealt with there on the cross. In Psalm 22, we looked at it way back in April, uh, right before uh, we got to Easter. And uh, it goes through some details on what Jesus had to experience there on the cross. Jesus knew what he was about to deal with physically. And yet, as he takes that bread and begins to break it, the Bible says before he did that, he gave thanks. Even knowing what he was about to go through, he still was able to give thanks. Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 2 is a pretty amazing verse. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And then listen to this. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross See, as he was about ready to go to the cross, he, uh, he was thinking about the joy that was set before him. 
He wasn't necessarily enjoying the pain of his body being broken. No, it was really what the cross was going to accomplish. And the fact that he was going to be obedient and fulfill the will of his father. So who for the joy that was set before him, he was willing to endure the cross, despising the shame, and then now is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so he gave thanks right before his body was about to be broken. So tonight, when we uh, take part of communion and, and take these elements, part of what we're doing tonight is remembering who he is and the body that was broken for us. But not only do we see the Lord's body represented, we also see the Lord's blood represented. In verse 25, after the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now the Bible doesn't exactly specify what the contents of the cup were. Uh, there that very first Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, there in that upper room. Um, the, the Bible does say in Matthew chapter number 26, it does say this, He took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for, the many, for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Now there are some good men who firmly believe that it was alcoholic wine there in that cup on that very first Lord's Supper. I'm of the opinion, and uh, I'm not preaching this as uh, doctrinal truth, although I do have uh, some reasons why I have this opinion, but I'm of the opinion that it was not fermented uh, because the Bible doesn't say that it was, and the picture of fermentation gives the idea of uh, tarnishing and defilement, and uh, the fact is, is it pictures the blood of Christ. Uh, his blood was not defiled at all. Uh, my blood is, yours is, but Jesus wasn't. Uh, his blood was sinless and perfect. 1 Peter 1 and verse number 18, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your feigned conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but you were re redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Um, and uh, really, in any case, whether it was or wasn't, uh, what's most important is that the contents of that cup still did represent the blood of Jesus Christ. And once again, uh, there are some who believe that it literally becomes the blood as you, uh, as you drink it. And, and no, it doesn't. It's merely a representation, a, a memorial of the blood of Christ that was shed uh, for you and for me. You say, Jesus shed his blood there on the cross? Yeah, he did. But actually, before it goes back, before he was ever on the cross, you see, uh, Jesus shed his blood there at the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, when the Bible says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So ever, even before he ever died on the cross, he shed his blood there in the Garden of Gethsemane as he was in such agony about what he was about to do. Not only the physical pain he was about to endure, but more the spiritual uh, suffering that he was about to go through. 
uh, because he was going to be separated for a, for a time from his heavenly father as God the Father turns his back on the Son because Jesus became our sin there on the cross of Calvary. And so that caused such agony that the Bible says his sweat as it w- was, a, was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Blood was also shed as our Savior was scourged with the cat of nine tails. More blood then was shed when the crown of thorns was driven into his scalp by the soldiers using a reed to drive it down there. The blood was also poured out as his hands and wrists were pierced by Roman spikes as they nailed him to the old rugged cross we all sang about a few minutes ago. But that wasn't all. Once he finally gave up the ghost and died... A Roman soldier, just to be sure he was dead, took a spear and pierced his side. And the Bible says, forthwith came there uh, blood and water. So Jesus uh, shed his blood on uh, multiple uh, instances throughout this, uh, this ordeal there on the cross and even before and after. No wonder the Bible says in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 where Paul says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. The currency that Jesus used to purchase the church was his very own sinless blood. A songwriter wrote, Nothing can my sin erase, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of works, tis all of grace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. In the 1700s, when evangelist John Wesley was returning home one night uh, from a service, he was robbed. The thief, however, found his victim to have only a little money in some Christian literature. And as the bandit was leaving, Wesley called out, surprisingly, Stop! I have something more to give you. (laughs) The surprised robber paused. My friend, said Wesley, you may live to regret this sort of life, and if you ever do, here's something to remember. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. The thief hurried away, and Wesley prayed that his words might bear fruit. Well, years later, Wesley was greeting people after a Sunday service when he was approached by a stranger. And what a surprise to learn that this visitor, now a believer in Christ as a successful businessman, was the one who had robbed him years before. I owe it all to you, said the transformed man. Oh, no, my friend, Wesley exclaimed, not to me but to the precious blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Oh, thank God for the blood that he shed for us. And tonight, as we, again, take these elements, we're remembering the body that was broken for us and the blood that was shed for us on the cross of Calvary. So we remember his person, but then we also remember his passion. We remember his passion. Look in verse number 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup... You do show the Lord's death. You do show the Lord's death. As we are officially in Thanksgiving season now, unfortunately some people think we should also be in Christmas season too. I mean, just yesterday, Miss Kaylin wore a Christmas shirt. 
out door knocking. I mean, just unbelievable. Um, how many of you think we should be in Christmas season already? Okay, I knew, okay. How many think, let's wait till after Thanksgiving? Amen, man. A church divided right here. This is the new Bedlam right here. Uh, Bedlam game coming up next Saturday, right? Um, look, we're, we're in Thanksgiving season, okay? And I, I have the microphone, and so we're in Thanksgiving season, okay? Uh, and by the way, as believers, aren't we always in Thanksgiving season? And Christmas all year. Okay, my wife's now preaching through me, so uh, this is dangerous. But one thing we're to constantly be thankful for is the cross of Calvary and what Jesus did there for us. Last Sunday, we thanked our veterans for their service, and rightfully so. Uh, We thank them for the sacrifice that they've made to protect and to provide our freedom here in America. And tonight, we're talking about thanking the Lord Jesus for His sacrifice that He made on the cross to provide the atonement for our sin, and that He didn't stay on the cross, but that He rose from the dead by His own power. One songwriter wrote this, King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be, lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow. Lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. A pastor, a friend of mine, uh, would teach this, and uh, I don't know that you can necessarily argue it either way, uh, but he believed that it was a sin not to thank the Lord for uh, dying on the cross for our sins every day. I don't know that you can argue it either way, but I think that's a great motto because it's remembering what he did for us on the cross. It's remembering his passion for us. Uh, The Bible says in uh, Acts chapter number 1, In verse number uh, 3, he says, To whom also he, Jesus, showed himself alive after his passion. Uh, The passion there is a reference to uh, the time he endured the cross. He was passionate for you and for me and for fulfilling the will of the Father that sent him. So we remember his person, we remember his passion, we remember, thirdly, his promise. Uh, back here in verse 26, for it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this, cru- this cup, you do show the Lord's death, and here's the promise, till he come. And Paul's saying, look, you, you continue doing, you continue taking the communion, you continue to remember this, and you do this not just for a little while, but you do this faithfully until the Lord comes. And it's a reference to the fact that the Lord has promised that he would indeed come back for us. One commentator beautifully pointed out that the Lord's Supper is the link between his two comings, the monument of the one and the pledge of the other. Jesus said, these are the words of Jesus in uh, John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, and here's that promise, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. 
Paul said to Titus, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Look, folks, Jesus said he's coming back for us. I don't know when. Uh, Hey, marvelous message we bring, glorious carol we sing, wonderful word of the King. Jesus is coming again. Hey, it may be morning, it may be noon, it may be evening, and it may be soon. Oh, what a wonderful day it will be. Jesus is coming again. Are you anticipating that? Are you ready for his return? Uh, The Bible talks about us living in such a way that we would not be ashamed when he does appear, that he would find us being faithful and find us occupying and uh, being faithful in uh, service for the Lord. So we remember the fact that he's coming back. Then, so that's the significance of the Lord's Supper. I want us to look at the seriousness. There is a seriousness about this particular type of a service. Verse 27 tells us, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. In verse 29, he continues this thought, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Look, this particular time is not a flippant time. This is a serious matter. And the church there in Corinth was going into it all flippant and light-hearted, and it's no big deal, it's a, it's a big fun time. Look, while this is not to feel like a funeral, it's also not to be treated like an irreverent, obnoxious party. It's a sober and serious time together as we remember the Lord, His sacrifice, and His soon return. And this church family went to this special ordinance lightly and flippantly, and Paul rebuked and chided this church family for it. I see here that, first of all, there is a caution. There is a caution in verse 27 and 29. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily. Now, what does the word unworthily mean? Really, it means they come into it not spiritually prepared, not spiritually ready and not right with the Lord, and, and uh, they just kind of think they're going through the motions. Folks, this is not going through the motions. Uh, we need to come to these uh, services prepared spiritually and right with the Lord. Um, because there is a caution. And uh, there is a caution that uh, those who uh, are not prepared, they'll be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And they drink damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. I mean, if we're not prepared and we don't uh, treat this with the reverence that it, that it deserves, uh, we're, we're dangering ourselves. And uh, we're guilty of the body, uh, the body of the Lord. The body and blood of the Lord. And what does that exactly mean? Um, I'll let you study that out a little bit more. Um, but uh, I, I personally want to try to be prepared spiritually when I come into these services, and I hope that you do too. So there's a caution, but there's also a consequence I see in verse number 30. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. When he says sleep, he's not talking about there's a whole bunch of you that are home taking naps. Uh, no, it's a reference to uh, being dead in Christ. And uh, there, 
their believers who had died. And uh, the Lord judged this church family for mistreating the Lord's Supper. And uh, there was a bunch of church family members that were scratching their head and said, oh, yeah, pray for so-and-so. They lost their husband or they lost their wife. And uh, Paul's saying, I'll tell you why they lost, they lost the loved one and they ended up dying. is because they didn't treat the Lord's Supper with the reverence that it deserved. And does God do that today? It doesn't say he does or doesn't. Um, I imagine that it's up to the Lord, and I'm not going to be the one to say that that's why someone uh, got sick or someone has some type of physical ailment or uh, someone passed away. I don't know that uh, any one of us can say that that's why. Uh, God gave Paul some special uh, discernment regarding that that uh, I don't have. Um, so I'm not going to go around broadcasting, oh, yeah, I know why so-and-so, uh, ha- you know, that's, that's not for me to judge. But um, at the same time, could that be why some? Yeah, it could be why. And so there is a caution and there is a consequence for not coming into this time prepared spiritually. Um, let's go back up to verse 26, and I just want to point this out very quickly. He says, for as often as ye eat this bread. And then in verse 25, in the words, of re- in, the words in red in my Bible, as in verse 25, it says, This do ye as oft as you drink it. So this is a, a question that some people say is, how often should a church family uh, be involved in or have a communion service? Well, there's no specific instruction regarding as often, how often. Some, are, some churches do it once a year. Some do it in every service. Some do it once a week. And uh, we here at Cornerstone do it about once a quarter. Uh, But there does need to be a regular spiritual checkpoint in our life. And uh, that leads me to number three here, and that is the searching. Uh, This communion service uh, provides an opportunity for some searching. Verse 28 says, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. There is to be a searching, and then once that searching is done... Then we are to partake, then we are to eat, and then we are to drink. I remember working at uh, Staples, the office superstore. I was in the furniture department, and uh, while working there, about once a year, we would have what we would call inventory. And uh, how many of you understand what inventory is? You've worked in a retail store, and you know what that's all about. We had a third party, uh, I think Regis was the company, that came and they would put their little cards everywhere that they've uh, checked all this. Well, it was usually on a Saturday and a Saturday night, and it was usually an all-nighter, that they would go and scan everything in the store, everything in the back room, everything uh, in the, on the shelves, everything up above the shelves. It took all day and uh, quite a bit of the night, too. And uh, that's, that was very helpful for them to know how... They're doing with uh, their inventory and loss prevention and all of that. Um, you're probably very aware of these inventory scenarios, aren't you? I figured that. And uh, when, we, when I was in Montana, I worked at AT&T in the retail store, and, and uh, one of the, they did that every month. And so once a month, uh, we got to partake of scanning everything in the store, whether it was out on the floor or in the back, 
and we had to scan every accessory, every SIM card, every phone, every case, every iPad, everything. And uh, it took quite a bit of time. And uh, I had to come in at basically 6 o'clock in the morning, and the first uh, two hours was just me just scanning uh, accessories. And the idea there was a regular time to see how we are doing and keeping inventory in our uh, store. Now, communion service acts as a spiritual inventory day for us. An opportunity for us to look through our life and say, how are we doing? How, how am I doing with my relationship with the Lord and with uh, my fellow believers? How's my heart doing? And, uh, you know, it, you may not like it as much. It's not, again, st- the inventory days at Staples and AT&T were not my favorite days. But they were necessary for the health of both of those businesses. And this searching, this examination is necessary for the health of my spiritual life and for yours as well. Psalm 26 in verse number 2, uh, David here, the psalmist, says this, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. So he invited the Lord to examine him. Uh, I'm not a big doctor fan. Uh, I don't really like going to the doctor because it uh, is a little spendy and, you know, I just, I'm not a fan. Well, David here says to the Lord, I'm going to walk into your office, Lord, and I want you to examine me. By the way, he is the best examiner there is. He knows everything about us. And David invited him. And so I want to encourage all of us tonight to invite the Lord to examine your heart as well uh, tonight. A couple things that we need to make sure that we have right in our life. First of all, we need to have a right relationship with God. We need to make sure that we belong to the Lord and that we are part of His family and we are His child and we are in Christ and Christ is in us. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse number 5 says, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. He says, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Are you in the faith? Are you a believer? Do you know for sure that you have a relationship with God? Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So is the Spirit of God in your heart bearing witness with your spirit that you are the children of God? Do you have that assurance and that confidence The Bible says that uh, He doesn't want us doubting our salvation. He doesn't want us doubting our relationship with God. 1 John 5.13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may... Anybody know the next word? Know that ye have eternal life. God wants us to have the assurance and the confidence, the, the, the knowledge that we are in Christ and Christ is in us. Do you have that assurance? Do you have that knowledge in your life? Look, tonight I'm not trying to make those of you who are indeed saved to doubt your salvation. However, I'm also not trying to make those who are lost to think you're saved. If there's doubt in your heart, it could be that the Lord is saying, Hey, you're not saved. It's time to get that settled. Oh, people think I'm saved, and and if I say that I'm not, I mean, that'll be embarrassing. Look, 
I'm telling you, eternity is forever. Don't play around with eternity, friend. If you're not saved, get it settled. By the way, I should say this. uh, Tonight as we pass the elements forth, if you are uh, not a believer yet, if you have not become a Christian, and you're not settled in your relationship with God, uh, this is... Uh, this is for believers only. Uh, We love you. You're welcome here, but what we're about to do is for believers only. So we need to make sure that we have the right relationship with God and that we are in Christ and Christ is in us, but then we also need to make sure that we're in right fellowship with God. Again, as Paul warns us in 27 and 29 regarding unworthily, this is an idea that there's, there's something in our life that isn't right. And so he encourages us in verse 28, let a man examine himself and uh, make sure that he is indeed right with God. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 21, this is a powerful warning. He says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be part, partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. So tonight, if you've been communing at the table of devils, it's time to get that settled and get that right and dealt with before you partake of the Lord's Supper. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Uh, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a great prayer to have as before we partake of the elements here in a few moments. Search me, O Lord. I want you to know my heart. I want you to do a full search. You know, when you search for something on the internet, usually you type in something and Google brings up all these results in a matter of moments. Well, the Lord is able to search us and know our deepest thoughts, better than we know ourselves. In fact, we say, oh, I know my heart. No, we don't. Our heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things, the Bible says, and who can know it? Uh, No one here knows their own heart. Oh, I know my heart. Uh, Be careful about saying that because we don't really know our hearts. Our hearts are deceitful. By the way, it's That's why it's important for us to not to follow our hearts because our hearts will oftentimes lead us astray because they are desperately wicked. So tonight, is there an area that you have been not obedient to the Lord in? Is there unconfessed sin in your life? Well, this is a time to get it right. Let this be a time of revival in your life. Again, it's not to say that you need to stay in that state. It says, let a man examine himself. Let him deal with it, and then so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Let's deal with these things in our lives that need to be dealt with, and then let's partake. What about a brother or sister that you have something uh, against? 1 John 2 and verse number 9 says, He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Is there a brother or sister you need to forgive or make right? Tonight's the night to do that. 
Let's get things settled and make sure that we're in right fellowship with God before we partake of the Lord's table. And so tonight, let's search our hearts and allow the Lord to search our hearts and show us things that need to be dealt with and then let's deal with them so that we can move forward. Because there is a seriousness of this. And so tonight, um, we're going to go ahead and have a word of prayer. And uh, we'll go ahead and uh, partake together. Uh, but uh, during this time of prayer, um, I'm going to ask Miss uh, Rebecca if she could go ahead and come on up uh, to go ahead and play through this uh, Jesus paid it all maybe one or two times. And as she does, this is an opportunity for you to get right with the Lord. If there's something that the Lord, the Holy Spirit pinpointed in your life right now, deal with it right now before we partake. And so as she plays, I'll go ahead and be quiet and let you have a time of prayer.